0: Joining us now to talk about police reform and much more is former Bismarck police officer, North Dakota Army National Guardsman and current defense attorney, Mark Fries. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to Point of View, it's great to have you with us. I want to start with kind of the basics, Mark, because I, I want to get to the reforms, but let's get to the root of what's creating this very important conversation. And that is, as a former police officer, I know we've all seen the video now of George Floyd, eight minutes and 46 seconds, this officer's got his knee on Uh, his neck, there's three other officers, officers sitting there essentially watching this take place. As a former police officer, I wanna ask you, how in the world does something like that happen?
1: It's abhorrent, it should have never happened. Um, uh, oftentimes in placing yourself in the shoes of those police officers at the time that they're involved in the incident, it's, it's maybe a little bit easier to understand, uh, but there were enough people there, there were enough officers there, there were enough bystanders, there were enough warnings, and the cries from, from the victim himself were more than enough for the police to have taken action to stop it once, once he was under control. But as a a defense attorney who now
0: defends policemen, as a former cop, I mean, for a layman like myself, never being in that situation, how would you explain it to me?
1: And that's exactly what the defense attorneys for these police officer officers are going to have to do when the case gets to trial. They're going to have to try to put the jury in the shoes of the officers explaining that these are very rapidly evolving, very tense, very, uh, very traumatic instances for the officers themselves to be involved in. Um, And the law does provide some protections to law enforcement officers. They're entitled to use force. They're not obligated to, to remove themselves from a situation in which force or deadly force can be used. Uh, so that's really going to be the jury question that's brought up when, when a jury is confronted with the case.
0: But I mean, the guy was handcuffed, and, and you say things happen quickly. I think even for a layperson like myself, eight minutes and 46 seconds does not sound like a rapid amount of time. Um, Maybe this will get into some of the reform conversation we're going to get to, but I guess the other question I want to just touch on with Derek Chauvin, that officer, is the fact that he had 17 other misconduct incidents. Why was he still on the job?
1: It's a great question, and uh, one of the larger questions is, is why are those reports inaccessible? Uh, why is the community in Minneapolis unable to access those prior disciplinary reports? Um, this is one of the substantial areas for reform that that needs to take place nationwide, including here locally. Is we need we need citizen oversight into police misconduct allegations. We need to afford police officers due process in in the disciplinary process, but police conducting self-investigations doesn't gain public trust.
0: No, in fact, you and I talked about this uh, earlier today, and the fact where you you remember the initial police report said that George Floyd died at the hospital due to complications, where the fire person's report said, hey, there was no pulse when, when we got there. So again, it just creates this distrust, and I think that's what I want to get at tonight. So let's say you were king for a day, sir. All right, we'll put the crown on you for a moment, but Yeah, I wanted to have you on because you've got such a unique perspective being in the National Guard. You understand kind of the military component and and some would say the militarization of police departments. You're a former police officer. Now you're a criminal defense attorney, so you get the justice system as well. If you had a magic wand and you were going to talk to President Trump, for example, and minority communities, what would you say, hey, here's the top one, two, or three things that needs to take place to reform uh, police so we no longer are losing human life Um, that's unwarranted?
1: I think the first one is the one that you hit on already, Chris. Is we need to get the police out of the military mindset in dealing with most instances. Um, there's there's a number of articles and books that have been written about the militarization of the police. Um, the superintendent of the state patrol, for example, wears colonel rank, uh, army or air force colonel rank. Uh, some local law enforcement leaders think it's ideal to put the you know stars like they're commanding generals. But more importantly, is that Police are trained and have a mindset that they're warriors and the citizens are enemy combatants. And and that mindset needs to change. Now, I I, I don't disagree with the notion of equipping police with necessary equipment sometimes that equipment appears to be military in nature and in some instances the police need to use military type tactics but it's gone too far and and this is a culture change and a training change that needs to take place where citizens are treated as citizens unless the situation dictates otherwise. So can you back up for a minute? Because you said something here that, that, that stunned me
0: and I would presume any in our audience. You're, you're saying that the current training system and I want you to explain sort of how and what you mean specifically that the police officers are being trained as warriors and the people that they are policing, protecting and serving, if you will, are seen as enemy combatants?
1: Certainly. Uh, and there, there are great books. One of them, the, the Rise of the Warrior Cop by Radley Balko is a very good example of the book that has talked about this evolution where police officers went from their historic role of uh, peacekeepers, community safekeepers, and the professionalism of police has resulted in a transition of them adopting military ranks, military conventions, military tactics. And uh, we have seen an evolution where where police Treat citizens like their enemy combatants. So, rather than knocking on a door, asking the person to come to the door so that a search warrant can be served, the police kick in the door and rush a SWAT team in as if they're as if they're a military unit uh, on a mission to find some Osama bin Laden or somebody like that. Um, those types of tactics have become very pervasive in the law enforcement profession. So, with that being said. I mean,
0: with that kind of training, that doesn't sound like that's a skin color thing. That sounds like that's a training issue.
1: Is that a fair assessment on my part, or oh, very much so? Um, I, you know, I think that there are some specific race-related issues that need to be addressed. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but, but the distrust of law enforcement and, and the people that are protesting uh, are largely, especially in this part of the country, people that are white. Um, so there's there's been a development of distrust of law enforcement. And I think a lot of that has to do, I don't fault the police for the position they're in. A lot of it has to do with the over putting police in positions that they shouldn't be. For example, during the COVID crisis, the governor and the state health officer have issued executive orders. If somebody violates those executive orders, like keeping a bar open, the police are expected to enforce those things because it's a crime. The police should not be forced to enforce those types of things. We have far too many crimes, and the police end up by necessity treating too many people like criminals. But so let's back up for a second here.
0: I mean, I I think that George Floyd and the situation in Atlanta with Mr. Brooks are two distinctly different situations. And so um, I guess what I want to get at for you were in the situation in Atlanta is that this person was failed the sobriety test, uh, resisted arrest, took the officer's taser, ran away, shot the taser at the officer, I guess what I'm asking is, what do you expect the officer to do in that kind of situation, and what could he have done better so there wasn't a loss of life, and yet that seems like a pretty hairy
1: situation to be be put in? Undoubtedly, and again, the, the, the number one caveat is I was not there, I was not in the position of police officer, I was not forced to make that instantaneous decision that the officer had to make. Um, I have seen some of the video clips, not not all of them, Uh, To me, it appeared like it was a routine drunk driving investigation. If the police believed that individual was at all armed at the outset, they would have patted him down to make sure that there were no weapons. And it appears to me that that individual attempted to leave, to flee from the officers to avoid arrest. That might be out of an inherent distrust of police. I'm not a 30-year-old black man in in the middle of Atlanta, but I suspect that there's some long-standing distrust of the police. But I don't know that he that that the suspect turned around and, and leveled the taser or shot the taser at the officer. Tasers are generally described as less lethal devices; they're not lethal. Uh, there were multiple officers on scene, and it was a fleeing suspect who was shot twice in the back. There are some real concerns that that arise as a result of that chronology.
0: Fascinating. We got to leave it there. But Mark Freeze, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate your insight, and we look forward to having you back. And. In, Once you let you go, I'll tell our audience what's happening tomorrow afternoon at 2.30. But thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Uh,
0: There's a lot more there that obviously we didn't get to due to TV time. So tomorrow, Mark and several others are going to join us on a Facebook Live, talk more about police reform. So just go to our Facebook page at 2.30 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash POV now. We're going to have a group conversation, be taking your questions. And again, I think the great thing and the unique thing about Mark's perspective, National Guardsman, uh, he's, he's a former police officer and now an attorney, so he gets kind of the Justice Department piece of this as well. So a very unique perspective in what's happening in today's America. A lot to digest there. We'd love to know your point of view. It's very easy to share. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. And by the way, sign up for our Fighting for the Truth email club as well. Just go to our website, povnow.tv. We'll send you out our truth emails. And again, please share your point of view with us. We're going to get to your points of view coming up right after this.